All right, you can be seated. And good morning to everybody here and everybody joining us online. And before we dive in this morning, just a special Mother's Day thank you to all the moms here. Just want to wish everybody, every mom here, just a super Mother's Day. Just uh, thank you for, for all you do. I tell you, a mom is a gift. Uh, I just uh, love my mom and how she sacrificed for me over the years. I, I enjoy watching Lisa and all she does for our kids. And it just reminds me of that passage in Proverbs, her children arise and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her. And I tell you what, um, that is so deserving. So thank you, moms. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for being the gift that you are. Well, this morning, I am off to a better start than I was last week, so if those of you here last week know that I tried to join in on the singing in the back by turning my microphone on early, uh, Jaron will appreciate the fact that I didn't do that today, so <laughs> you really could have used it. No, no, you really couldn't have, so. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I did get the, get the mic situated back there, so I'm happy about that. But uh, Unfortunately, even though today is Mother's Day, I don't have a Mother's Day message for us, uh, but I do have a message that I'm really excited about, and I'm as excited as an accountant can get about that message, uh, you know, so you just got to trust me that I'm excited about it. Uh, woo Is that good for an accountant? Maybe get a little segment. That's about all we're going to get. But anyway, but I'm excited about what, uh, what we're going to do today, and I just hope and pray that God would just use this time for His glory. Uh, we're going to be looking at part two of our series, Turning and Trusting, and Phil will be back next week to continue our study on Through the Bible, and I know we'll be looking forward to, to seeing him when, when he returns, so... Uh, so thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak. George Mueller, that's a name that many of you are very familiar with, was a pastor in the 1800s in Bristol, England, that started a number of orphanages. Uh, and the interesting thing about George was that he wanted, he knew that if that is God's work, he was going to completely trust in God to do it, to meet all their needs, to the point where he would not even go tell people what their needs were. He would just trust God to show up with the money or with whatever the food that they needed. And time and time again, if you read his autobiography, all his little journal entries, he, time and time again, it talks about where he prayed that God would meet this need. And then what we would say out of the blue, but we know God's sovereignty, it wasn't out of the blue. Someone would show up with money. Someone would show up with food. Over and over and over and it just proved God's faithfulness over and over and over. And in his, his autobiography, he has this, right in the middle, he has this quote, and it's a few lines. So I want to read it to you just to lead in this morning, because I think it's really, really good. He said, Truly it is worth being poor and greatly tried in faith for the sake of having such precious daily proof of the loving interest which our kind Father takes in everything that concerns us. How could the Father do otherwise? He gave us the greatest possible proof of his love when he gave us his own Son. If the hearts of the children of God are comforted and their faith strengthened, it is worth being poor and greatly tried in faith. Those who do not know God may read or hear of his dealings with us and see that faith in God is more than a mere notion there is indeed reality in Christianity. That is powerful. And that's from a man who trusted God and from experience could say that. He trusted God for everything. God kept providing for him time and time again. And he knew from experience 
that it was worth being greatly tried in the faith because it proved God's love and faithfulness and ultimately it glorified God to the world, to the place where God had placed him. I want you just to hold that thought this morning. And just re- let me just remind you from last week, we've talked about turning to God. And we looked at a passage in Joel and it said, with God, there's always hope. We can always turn to him with all our hearts because he is gracious, he's compassionate, he's slow to anger, and he's rich in love. And as he becomes our everything, as we ended last week, as he becomes our everything, we learn to trust him more and more and more. And this week, we're going to conclude by looking at a passage about trusting in God. And, and I'll just say off the, the get-go here, trusting can be hard. It can be difficult. Um, Wes Cannon, he writes this blog post. He's an adventurer's mission on a mission trip. And I read it this week. And he, I thought something he said in there just lined up beautifully here. He said, I think real trust is slightly terrifying. And, you know, you think about it, I think he's right. Sometimes when God calls us a thing, it can be slightly terrifying as well. And in this room, I know each of us, we're all on different journeys. God has placed us in certain situations. We're going through things um, we may not understand. Uh, We probably all could just attest to that. You know, whether trusting God for salvations, reconciliations, for healing, for deliverance, for decisions you have to make, or just strength to get through each and every day. We're all trusting God just for different things. And so... I come to you this morning from a place of, I don't, I don't have this down. I mean, and I think anybody that gets up here and speaks, you know, we don't have this down. This is God speaking just as much to me as he is to you. And I just want to put that out there. In fact, in my, in my, where I sit down and do my quiet time in the mornings, I have a little sign up there right in front of my desk, and it says, trust. Because that is the thing that I struggle with so much, is trust. And that is my daily reminder to trust. Um, So my prayer today as we look at this passage this morning is that no matter whatever path God has us on, whatever that is, that God will just encourage each of us as we trust in him. So go ahead and turn to Jeremiah 17. Interestingly enough, Jeremiah, if you think, if you follow some scholars and they talk about the book of Joel when it was written, Joel and Jeremiah were actually contemporaries or could have been. And Jeremiah actually contains more words than any other book of the Bible. I learned that this week. I thought that was interesting. And Jeremiah, he prophesies towards the end of the reign of the last five kings of Judah. So it was written sometime between 626 B.C. and 586 B.C. And for those of you that are familiar with Jeremiah, it is just packed with wonderful, wonderful passages. I mean, there's just so many in here. It is just a, a rich, rich book. You know, we're at graduation time, and Jeremiah 29, 11 comes from here. And you hear this comes from, this verse comes from Jeremiah, and you hear it all the time at these graduation parties. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then Jeremiah 32, 27, one of my favorites, says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? And then you've heard this one, Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things. You do not know. And this passage we're going to look at today, I believe, is just as rich for us as those passages are. So we're going to pick up in chapter 17. This is Jeremiah still talking about the continual sin of Judah. And he's going to contrast one who trusts in God and one who trusts in man. So I'm going to pick up in verse 5. And I don't have the scripture here for this, for what we're going to read here. So if you pull out your tablets and your Bibles, that would be great. I will 
use the monitors for other scriptures as I come through to it. But let's start in verse 5. And this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And I want to pause there and then just gently read verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So we're going to focus primarily on verses 7 and 8 here. We'll look back to 5 and 6 and verse 9. But the f- there's two things I want to focus on in verse 7, and I'm going to come back and focus on two things in verse 8. So that's where we're headed uh, this morning. And the first thing in verse 7 that I think we all need to hone in on is trusting God is a choice. Trusting God is a choice. Look at verse 5. Cursed is the man who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. You compare that then to verse 7. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. One puts their trust in man, in the flesh. One puts it in God. And this choice is not a one-and-done deal. If you look at verse 7, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, not trusted. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And I tell you, all of us that have been followers of Christ for a long time, we know that from experience. It is a daily surrender to him and to his will to follow. And he has to come in and do that for us. We can't just say we're going to go trust him. God has to work in that through working us for that. It's sort of like exercising, you know, for me. It's just like I, I have to exercise so that I can eat chocolate-covered, cream-filled, Krispy Kreme donuts, you know. So I, I love those. Right, Rex? Amen to that? Yes, that's right. Rex brought me some yesterday. They were really good. I actually had two of them. But anyway, so I exercise primarily so I can eat what I want to eat. Um, I also do it so that I can, you know, have a good report from the doctor every year when I, when I go. But for me to do that, I have to get up in the morning before work, and I try to jog a little bit. That's just how I get my exercise. On those winter mornings, that is not easy to do. It's hard to get out of the bed. I'm laying there. It's like this mini crisis of faith. Do I get up or not? Do I not? And then you get up. You walk downstairs. It's cold. I take care of my dog. Even I feel like my dog looks at me like, you're crazy for going out there in the cold, you know, so as she curls up. But it is just, you know, that's just something that I intentionally know I have to get up and I have to do in order for certain things to happen later in my life. And, um, and it's hard. It's hard. But I'm always glad I've done it once I've done it. And so it's sort of like continually choosing to trust God is all, it's like that. It's like that daily thing I'm going to choose. I'm going to lay my life down before him and trust him. I have to be intentional about doing it. I have to be intentional, just like I have to be intentional about exercising. Let me show you a couple of verses about the intentionality, which I think are really good. This is a very familiar verse, Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, 
doesn't say I will not be afraid, but when I am afraid, I will trust in you. The choice to trust when afraid. And then, for I hear the slander of many. There is terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. So no matter what's going on around it, I choose to trust in you despite all of that because you are my God, choosing to trust God and nothing else. And I tell you, all, we all know this, there is this sinful tendency, we want to trust everything else but God, don't we? We want to trust anything else but God. And that's, that's why I read uh, Jeremiah seventeen nine because it says the heart is deceitful. It'll just take us in all sorts of different paths and want us, make us want to trust something that we should. We want to trust the good people around us. We want to trust the people here in our church wealth, possessions. We want to trust the experts, the doctors, the lawyers, the counselor, the accountant. I have to throw the accountant in there since I'm one. So you want to, we all, there's all these things we tend to want to go trust. And they all may be knowledgeable and they may be trustworthy, but they'll never, ever be our source of peace. They'll never be our source of peace for whatever we're trusting God for. Never. And we have to intentionally focus our hearts and mind on God to make that choice. And this verse became real to me several years ago. Let me, a very familiar verse again, but I want to tell you, show you how God just used this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, because it does, how God does that is amazing, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I underlined, and your minds, because your mind can go all over the place. When you're trying to trust God, your mind go easy to shift off God. And I remember the situation we had probably several years ago where we were just, you know, there was nothing we could do about this situation. It was here, it was upon us, and we were just completely at God's mercy on how it was going to get handled. And when I would sit down, and I wasn't focused on Scripture, my mind would wander, and I'd start getting scared, and I'd get anxious, and uncertainty would just come in, and uh, man, it would just mess with me. But then when I would go to God's Word and start reading His, His Word and Scripture, it focused it on Him, and just as He proves in His Word, there was peace, there was contentment, because I knew He had this. Didn't know how he's going to work it out, but some way, shape, or form, he had it, and it just gave me peace. And I know that is easier said than done, depending on what we're going through. Um, but what helped me, what helped me was just, it was Scripture. It was all the Scriptures that I had memorized over the years. It was all the little note cards that we put up around our home. Uh, it was all the sticky notes, the iPhone apps that can give you Scripture that just pops up in the morning, you know, and how God uses that just to minister to us. But when we can intentionally focus our minds on Him, the promise in Isaiah, you will keep in perfect peace Him whose mind is steadfast because He trusts in you. You will keep in perfect peace. And that is just so awesome. It's so awesome. And I tell you what, I know here with all of us, there's things as I'm talking, you may think, man, I've got this situation going on and I'm failing to trust God with. 
And I think we all have things like that where we may fail to trust God with. But the cool thing is that we can turn to God at any time because trusting is active. It's a verb. You can turn to God because he is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and he's rich in love. You can choose today, Father, I'm going to start trusting you with fill in the blank, whatever that is. And as you do, watch him prove himself out and bring us peace as we go down that journey. So trusting God is a choice. That leads to the second point here in verse 7, that trusting in God comes from knowing God. Trusting or confidence in God comes from knowing God. Look at the end of verse 7, whose confidence is in him. Now, some versions say whose hope is in him. Some versions even say trust again, whose trust is in him in the noun form. And you sit there and like, well, where does that confidence come from? It comes from knowing God. And look at this, this verse here in Psalm. This is cool. Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. So how do we come to know him? It always starts first, and anytime I get up here, you have to start with this. It always first comes with surrendering to Christ. Uh, I never want to take for granted that anyone in the room or anyone listening online knows, I don't want to take for granted whether or not they know Jesus. And the first thing is surrendering to him, realizing that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross. Three days later, God raised him from the grave so that we could have the hope of eternal life in him. And God offers that gift of salvation as a free gift. And we take it, and when we take it and surrender our lives to him, God can start using us for his glory. It's the gospel. It is the gospel. That's the first step. The second step, and this is just simply loving God's word. Years ago, I was in a little children's Sunday school class. I wasn't teaching the kids, but I must have just been hanging out, just trying to help a little bit. And we had this teacher, and she did this little illustration with the kids, and it still sticks with me today. She said she was teaching them to love God's Word. And she goes, so let's give God's Word a big hug. And so all the kids, they pick up their Bibles, and they put it right here in their heart, and they just start going, mm, just hugging God's Word. And yeah, that was cute. And I thought, that's neat. And then I started thinking, wow, I need to go home and hug my Bible too. Because <laughs> you know? in reality, this is, we need to love God's Word. And I loved how she was teaching those young kids to treasure God's truth. And even we as adults, we need to treasure this. This is life right here. This is our everything. This is how God reveals himself to us. And we need to love his Word. So you start by surrendering, love his Word, and then the fun is the obeying of the word. You have to obey what he says. Don't pick and choose it. You obey everything as he lays it out there. And as we come to obey him, as we obey him, we come to know him. As we obey him, we come to know him. When it says give, we give and we experience his blessing. When it says forgive, we forgive, we experience his peace. It says go make disciples. When we go, we see him move in someone else's life. And on and on and on and on. And the more we know him, the more we trust him. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, I don't know if any of y'all have read that book. It is 
rich, rich book. It's, it's deep too. It took me, I hate to say, it took me a couple of years to get through it because it's not one of those things you just pick up after dinner at night and start reading. You have to like, really think and contemplate on it and just, God, what are, you, what are you telling me through this, this individual? But in here, in his book, in chapter two, he talks about there's evidences of knowing God and he's looking at the book of Daniel. But he basically said four characteristics of those who know God. Those who know God have great energy for God, have great thoughts of God, great boldness for God, and then great contentment in God. Great energy, great thoughts, great boldness, and great contentment in God. And Phil, several weeks ago, when he was talking about David, I think David was the perfect example of that. Look at these verses. Look at this boldness. In 1 Samuel 17, David asked the, man, the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? What boldness he already has there as a young man. And then in 1 Samuel 17, 37, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Great thoughts of God. Verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward him. Great energy to God. Great energy. David knew his God. He knew him, and it resulted in his actions. And that's why David could say, those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. The more we come to know God, the more we trust him and gain confidence in him. Are you seeking daily to know God more? Do you love his word? Are you hugging his word? Are you digging in it? Do that. Watch him, watch him grow you as you come to trust him more and more. So those are the first two things I want to point out there in verse 7. So trusting God is a choice, and the more we know God, the more we trust him. Now, what I think is for the really good stuff, now with that, that background, when we trust God, then God is going to work in us, and he's going to work through us. When we trust God, he's going to work in us, and he's going to work through us. Let's look at verse, look at first, look at verse 6 in Jeremiah 17. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. And then go over to verse 8. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box, but if you gave me the choice between verse 6 and verse 8, I'm going to go with verse 8. Um, that is just a beautiful, beautiful portrayal there. One who trusts in the Lord is like a tree by the water. And this is similar to the verses in, I think, Psalm chapter 1. It talks about the tree and by the water. And those of you that are, like to go outdoors and hike and backpack and that kind of thing, one of the things you'll always notice is that the trails, for the most part, there are some exceptions to this, will keep you close to water. They keep you close to water because we as humans need water to survive. And if you're going to be on a trail that takes you away from water for a significant amount of time, all the guidebooks have all these warnings. You need to get water at this station before you go the next 10 miles without it. It's very, very important to us to have, have water. And we all know that. And when you get down near those 
streams or rivers. It is just, you know this, it's just all plush. It's all green. Uh, there's all these little critters running around because it's nice and shady and the sun's you know, not beating down on it. There's just tremendous, tremendous growth. And that's what God is saying. We're like trees by the water. Look at this image. This, I pulled this up over the, over the week. That's the Nile River in Egypt in that aerial view. And if there's not a picture that displays this as well as that, I'm not sure what it is. And you can just see how it's just green, wandering all the way through till it gets to the delta, and then it pops out. There's growth. That water supplies that, that growth. And that's what God is saying about us. Because we're connected to our source, which is the Lord, we can flourish. One who trusts in the Lord can flourish just like that. We're sturdy, we're growing, we're strong. And because we have everything we need, God is everything we need. Just like those trees, that tree is sitting there growing. It has all the water, the nutrients, it has the shade. When God is our source, we have everything we need through him right there at our disposal. We have everything we need. Again, easier said than done, but we have everything we need right there. And there's no need to fear and there's no need to worry because we're connected to our source. Now, Kevin, is that just churchy talk? No, no, it's not churchy talk. That is truth. You go here to Psalm 8411. Look at this. For the Lord God is a sun, providing the light. He's a shield, protection. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. No good thing does he withhold? That is, when you sit there and meditate on that, that's huge. No good thing does he withhold from us. We have the hope of eternal life. We have direction for this life in him. The promise that he's going to meet our needs. In him, we have freedom from guilt. We get strength to persevere, boldness to stand, and ultimately peace with him. And no matter what path God has us on or will take us on, we have everything we need right there in him. Everything. That's what scripture tells us. And know that the path, it may not be easy, but when he's truly, but he is truly all we need. And don't let the heart deceive you with that. The heart is deceitful. Do not let the heart deceive you with that truth. Not only does God work in us, but he also works through us in the heat and the drought. So not only does he work in us, and this is the last point, that he works through us in the heat and the drought. If you look there, halfway down in verse 8, the tree, us, it does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It does not fear when it comes. It doesn't say if. It says it does not fear when heat comes. Heat comes in all sorts of forms for us. It's all around us. And depending on where we are in life, different forms of heat. Those in school, pressure to be dishonest in your studies and in your testing. We get temptations to pull away from our spouse. We get challenged when people come up to us and say, hey, did God really say that? And then pressure is just to conform to a sinful world. Heat hits us in all sorts of ways. And I think Phil has been telling us for, for probably ever since I've been attending here, you know, that the heat is just going to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And we see that. We see that right now going on around us. We've seen it, what's happened to the church through COVID and some of the things that have been pushed onto the church. 
and just um, just sad. And I just think with certain societal things we're seeing, that heat is going to get turned up. It just it just is, and we need to be prepared for it. It's coming, but that's okay. That is okay, because when we're connected to our source, as we just looked at, we have everything we need. And if you think about it, why would God place us here in America at this time? He put us here for a reason, and that reason is to flourish for him in the heat. He put us here for a reason. Just like when you you go back to the book of Esther, and Mordecai says to Esther, who knows that for such a time as this, that you've become a royal position for such a time as this? It's just like that for us. God has placed us here, not just for us, but it's for us to flourish in this heat. So when all this stuff starts coming our way, we can stand because we have everything we need right here and we have his promises. And it's so cool. So, you know, I think this is, let me show you this real quick. This is cool. I love this, this passage here at Acts. So this is Peter and John. So just set the stage. They are standing before the Sanhedrin. This is the same group of people that had just put Jesus to death right there beforehand. So they're standing before him, for this group. I can imagine if that was me, I would be scared to death or probably thinking I'm about to die because I'm standing in front of the same group. But they spoke the truth to the Sanhedrin and proclaimed Jesus. And so then the Sanhedrin comes together and they say, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They stood in the heat. And what happened? Those around took note that these men had been with Jesus. So when the heat comes, we can stand because we have everything we need in Christ. We have everything we need. So we can be honest at work or school, even if it costs us something. We can make our spouse number one. We can respond when people say, did God really say Jesus is the only way. Did God really say there's consequences for our sin? Yeah, yeah, he did say that. And let me show you where. Let me show you where he said it, right here in God's word. And when we're pressured to conform to this world and the prince of darkness, because we're connected to our source, we can say no. We can say no. And who better than us, as the heat comes, to embrace this time and history and stand firm and let God flourish through us in the heat? God has placed us all here for such a time as this. He really, really has. So not only does God work through us in the heat, but he also works through us in the drought. And in my mind, you know, the heat, the heat comes in the day and then at night, sometimes the heat goes away, it's cooler. So that seems to be more temporal. But the drought, that is anything but temporary. That's extended. And that is hard. And if you were to go flip back to Jeremiah 14, you'll see him talk about the results of a drought there in in Judah. And, and droughts in our lives, they can come in just so many forms, so many forms. Illness, death of a loved one, a wayward child, pressures from a loss of a job, severed friendships, marital struggles, financial struggles, fill in the blank. I mean, and these are, these are hard, hard deals, day after day, week after week, month after month. There's nothing easy about it. And it always gets you always have to go back to the mind thing that we talked about earlier. He withholds no good thing 
that still holds true even through the drought. He withholds no good thing. I quoted John Piper last week, and I want to quote one other thing from him this week. He wrote a little, uh, little tiny book. It's one of those, wasn't like knowing God. This is one I could actually finish in a, in a day. Um, and it was called, Don't Waste Your Cancer. And he wrote this on the eve of cancer surgery that he was about to have. And his point was around cancer, but you can take it to anything you're going through. And he said, he gave about 11 or 12 points, but two of them that I want to point out that just resonated with me was, he said, we waste our cancer or waste whatever you're going through. We waste our cancer if we do not believe it is designed for us by God. We waste our cancer if we do not believe it's designed for us by God. And then he said, we waste our cancer if we believe it is a curse and not a gift. And he gives verses to support those two things, and we, I don't have time to get into it. But his main point was, you have to view whatever God's going, putting you through, however hard it is, you have to view it that way, as a gift, as him allowing it. So that when you do that, he gets the glory. And that is ultimately, no matter what we're going through, whether a drought, whether heat, or things are fine, we ultimately want God to get the glory in our lives. And it may be easier to do that at some points in our lives than others, but we all, at the end of the day, want that same thing for Him to get the glory. And in viewing our drought as a gift, whatever that is, I mean, that's, I, that, that's so hard. But if you're connected to God and trusting in Him, and you believe He works all things together for good, and that we lack no good thing, then if I really think about that, meditate on that, yeah, that's God's truth. I can view this as a gift. And there's testimonies in this room, I'm sure, people that have gone through struggles at some point in their life, and they look back on it now. You can look back on it now and say, you know, it wasn't easy. It may have been caused by sin. It may have just been something that happened to you that you don't know why. But then you can look back on that and say, you know, that was a gift. That was a gift to me or it was a gift to those around me. I know there's people probably here that can say that. And you see, in these situations, God takes these periods of drought, and just like it says right here, and he bears fruit through us during those periods of drought. He bears fruit through us. He bears fruit to the loss. We, had, we were praying one time for a family. They had a baby, and the baby was really sick. And we would go to the hospital every night, I don't know, like at 8 or 9 o'clock at night, a whole group of us, and we would just pray. And over a period of time, we watched this family, because they're in the NICU, deal with the ups and downs of that struggle and the grandparents that were with them. And they became very close to us during this time. But I remember there was another family that was there as well who had a baby in the NICU, and they started coming to our time of prayer. And I remember one night we were, we were praying, and we got done praying, and the other family that didn't know Jesus, it's been so long ago, they made a comment out loud that basically said, uh, I wish I had what y'all had, something like that. And I remember Lisa gets up, pew, fires right over there to have a conversation with her. And, you know, I don't know what came of all of that. We don't know if she ultimately came to know Christ or not. But at the end of the day, that was a family going through a very difficult time, a drought in their life. And because they trusted God, God used that to impact another family right there beside them. 
right there beside them. And I think I often wonder that lady, what if she came to know Christ somehow through that much later? That would be a situation where she would look back to that difficult time with their family and having a baby in the NICU. She would probably look back at that and say, you know what? That was tough, but that was a gift because I am now have hope of heaven. Bears fruit among the lost. Um, these periods of drought, God can work in us to bear fruit among the lost. And also, I don't want to lose this point. We often forget this. He can use it to bear fruit among us, the believers. He can do it among us. We watched this family go through this trial, and they ministered to Lisa and I as we saw them journey through this. We saw their faith. We saw their devotion to God. And it challenged us. And I had been a believer at that time for a number of years. And I was, it motivated me watching them. And even today, when I still see the grandparents, I think back to that time and think how they handled that. And it still ministers to me today. And I share that just to say, we need to share our challenges and struggles with one another. We need to share those. And I know there's, there is some discretion. Sometimes there are certain things you got to use discretion on, and I get that. But I think we tend to fall more when we don't share enough about the struggles and things that were going on in our lives. And when we do that, when we don't share that stuff, that's what Satan wants. He doesn't want us to share because if we share it, then all of a sudden our fellow believers, those that love us, they can see God move and then they can be ministered to, just like we were ministered to by this family watching them in the hospital. They can see God move. And then also, it gives the church the opportunity to use our gifts to minister. We're all, we all have such unique, wonderful gifts. And when someone is struggling, we all approach those, those situations differently with the gifts God has given us. And we need all those gifts from all of us to meet those needs that someone's going through when they're struggling. And when we don't share that struggle, we rob our church the opportunity to do that. We rob ourselves the opportunity to do that. The church is here to restore. The last thing we need to do is run from it during our droughts. God has put us here for a reason, and one of those reasons is to love on each other and to help us through those, those difficult times. In my opinion, nothing glorifies God more than walking with him in a drought. Nothing glorifies God. Because that's when the world expects us to cave. That's when they expect us to cave. When we don't, they take notice. They take notice. And if we can stay connected to God through the drought and allow him to work in us and through us, then we can echo just what Habakkuk said in chapter 3, 17 through 18. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Love that verse. Love it. So in conclusion today, trusting God is a choice, and the more we know Him, the more we trust Him. And when we trust Him, God works in us, and he works through us so that the world will know that he is God. And he is able and he is worthy to do all of this on our behalf. Lauren Daigle, the popular song, Trust in You, that many of you know and sing, you know, that song goes through and it talks about 
you know, when things don't happen like you want them to, and she says, I will trust you, I will trust in you. There's this bridge in that song. I'm not a music person, but Chelsea had to tell me this morning what a bridge was between in a song. So this is the bridge. Uh, just wanted you to be impressed, Jared. All right. So it says, it says, you are my strength and comfort. You are my steady hand. You are my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. Your ways are always higher. Your plans are always good. There's not a place where I'll go that you've not already stood. Isn't that cool? Just beautiful, beautiful words. Because he is able, he's worthy. We can connect to him. We can trust him. We come to know him more and more. And then he can do stuff in us, through us, over and over and over again. And he can bear fruit so that the world will know, as Mueller said, will bear fruit so that the world can see that God is more than a mere notion, that their deed is reality in Christianity. Let's flourish in the heat. Let's bear fruit in the drought. And as we do that, let's love on one another through the process. Let's pray. Father, I, uh, I am just thankful for your truth. And just going through this this morning, there's so many things here that, that are just so hard. And, and at times, I confess, I just I fall so short when it comes to trusting you. And, and I know I'm not the only one here that that, that happens with. Um, and Lord, I'm sorry. And I confess that. And I just want to claim your truth and just how you tell us to trust in you. And then you remind us that we lack, we lack no good thing in you. No good thing. And I just thank you for that promise. And Father, I just pray for everyone here and everyone who's listening online, that no matter what we're going through, God, I just pray that you would just minister to their hearts through this. Lord, I just pray that you would comfort, uh, you would convict, you would provide hope. Lord, ultimately we want to be with you in paradise, glorifying you forever. And the more we can do that now, the better. So whatever path you take us on, whatever journey we're on, may we just, may we just burn that in our hearts to just glorify you by trusting in you with whatever it is you've given us. I love you, Father. I just trust you to take these words and use them for your glory. And just thank you for how you taught us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to a broadcast from LifePoint Church in Greenville, South Carolina. If this ministry has touched your life in some way, we would love to hear from you. Just visit our website at www.lifepointsc.org for more information. Or, if you prefer to reach us by letter, you can write to us at P.O. Box 27036, Greenville, South Carolina, 29616, USA. Until next time, may God bless you as you continue to follow Him.